Dr. Kent Brantley said that faith is not something that makes you safe. That God doesn't call us to be safe. He calls us to follow him. In 2003, as a recent college graduate, Kent Brantley felt called to medical missions. And he acted upon that call. He went to medical school. While he was in medical school, he married his college sweetheart, Amber. And upon completion of his residency, they decided to follow Jesus and go to Liberia to share the gospel and care for those who were sick. In 2014, when the biggest Ebola outbreak in human history hit West Africa, Liberia was smack dab in the middle. Kent could have left, but he decided to stay and share the compassion, love, and good news of Jesus to people who were sick with this highly contagious, deadly disease. For those of you that don't know, Ebola is a nasty disease. It's really nasty. In the early stages of the outbreak, the mortality rate was almost 80%. And it's painful. It's a really painful disease as well. Ebola causes immense pain throughout your entire body. It causes uncontrollable vomiting and diarrhea. That's nasty. You typically don't hear diarrhea in church, but it's true. Yeah, that's real. And it's painful. You get a high fever and soft tissue like your eyes can just begin to hemorrhage and bleed. Kent was scared. He didn't want to get Ebola. At that time, he had a wife and two young children, but he followed Jesus in the midst of fear, and he served those who were at death's door. And that situation is very similar to what we see in the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul and Kent is very similar. A couple weeks back, when Brian opened this sermon series, he told us how Paul and Silas entered the city of Thessalonica. They had come through journeys and faced a lot of risk, telling people that Jesus was the Savior, Jesus was the Messiah. They're going all throughout Asia and Europe, going into synagogues and telling people that Christ was the Messiah that had been prophesied for thousands of years that Jesus could wipe away people's sins if they accept him as their Lord. But Paul and Silas, just like Kent Brantley, did not waver in the face of fear and possible death. When they went into Thessalonica, there's a good chance they would be persecuted, but they went immediately to the synagogue, which is where um, the Jewish people and uh, Jewish converts would gather and worship. And they stayed there for three days and telling people that Jesus was the Messiah and he could forgive them from their sins, wipe their sins clean. And Acts 17, Acts 17 tells us that they had some success. 
Many Jews and Gentiles came to Christ and they began to follow Jesus. But Paul and Silas, under heavy persecution, they were sent away by the Christians, the people who just became Christians in Thessalonica. They sent them away so that they could be saved and wouldn't be killed by the authorities in the city. And that's what happened to Kent Brantley. Very similar story. He was serving Jesus, witnessing to the people of Liberia through word and through deed when he contracted Ebola. When he told his wife, when he told Amber that he contracted Ebola, she just wept. She said that the only thing she could say was, I'm sorry, Kent. I'm sorry, Kent. And she just said it over and over again. She was sorry for him, the pain and suffering he's about to experience. She thought he was going to die. She said she was sorry for herself, thinking that she'd have to raise her two kids by herself. It didn't look good for Kent. He had less than a 50% chance to live. So the mission organization that he was with, World Medical Mission, evacuated him from Africa. They sent him away so he could be saved. They brought him to Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, where he received some of the best treatment in the world, such treatment that many of the Africans, the majority of all the Africans in the country did not receive. But that great care, that move to evacuate him and save him, saved his life. Kent Brantley survived Ebola. After his recovery, the people of Liberia and the people in Africa didn't leave his heart. He continually thought and prayed for them. And he and Amber longed for them. They were here in the U.S., but they longed for them. They longed to see them and know how they were doing. In the same way, Paul and Silas longed for the people of Thessalonica. Paul continually thought about these dear people who came to know Christ, and he wanted to know how they were doing. He wanted to know if they had stood firm in their faith. So in our scripture for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to see Paul express his great concern for the people of Thessalonica and his immense joy when he learns that they're still following Jesus. But this text, this is a text that can easily be read during a morning devotional or a Bible study, and people will just walk away unchanged. It seems like it's just an update of what's happening, a rehash. They might say, so what? Paul helped lead these people to Christ. He wanted to know how they're doing. They're doing good. So, so what? Just scan right over it. But if we walk away from this text, with that mindset, we miss the point of this scripture. We miss what's going on. The main point of this scripture is that Jesus is the most important thing. The most important thing is do people have a relationship with Jesus? 
Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And do the people you come in contact with have a relationship with Jesus? So let's read today's text and learn from the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, the English Standard Version. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The word of the Lord, the Bible. You see, the main point, the most important thing is people's relationship with Jesus. That's what Paul is writing about. He is so concerned for their faith in Jesus. When Paul and Silas went into Thessalonica, they saw a city with people that had a deadly condition. And it was an urgent matter to them. Those people were sick and in darkness, and they needed to be saved. So Paul and Silas went to the synagogue, as I said. They went there as soon as they got to the city. And they offered the cure of Jesus to people. He is the Messiah, the one who was prophesied about. So a challenge for us today, the so what about this text is, when we walk in a room, most of the time, the majority of people there are going to be sick and living in darkness. Is their condition our first concern? Is our relationship with Jesus the most important thing to us? And if so... Are other people's relationship with Jesus the second most important thing? I have a friend, 
uh, this friend of mine is a Christian. They're in a PhD program in Philadelphia. They're almost done with their program. It's been over four years of hard work. And recently they were saying how they gotten really close to one of their classmates over the past four years. They come to really know and appreciate this person. They come to really admire this person and their intelligence and their hard work and a lot of their gifts and abilities. So when my friend was saying this, one of their accountability partners said, that's fantastic, that's great. Is your classmate a Christian? And my friend stopped, thought about it, and had to honestly say, I don't know. I don't know if they're a Christian. For four years, they have been in class together. They have worked on projects together. They have eaten meals together, gone to conferences together. And my friend doesn't know if this person is a Christian. The funny thing is, is my friend is actually a pastor in Philadelphia. They tell everyone they're a Christian. They tell everyone they're a pastor. It's all over their social media. So I'm sure this person knows my friend is a Christian. And I'm sure that my friend has been salt and light, good things to this person throughout their relationship. But there's no reason on God's green earth that they should not know if this person, if their classmate is a Christian after four years. What about you? What about Streamsong Church? When we walk in a room, or we go to work, or we go to school, or we go to the pool, or we go to the gym, or we go wherever we go, is the most important thing on your mind, on our mind collectively, people's relationship with Jesus. Are we intentionally finding out where people stand? And if we're not, why not? Why aren't we doing that? If we go to the pool and we're more concerned about how we look in a bathing suit than we are about somebody's soul or the souls of the people that are there, there's a problem. If we go to work and we're more concerned that people like us than we are with their souls, that's a problem. Would you lose your job if you could bring one person to Christ? I'm not saying God necessarily wants you to lose your job. We have to provide for ourselves and our families. But what's our priority? Money and comfort or Jesus? In verse 4, Paul writes that he told the Thessalonians that he was going to suffer affliction and that it came to pass. Paul suffered for Jesus. Many of us know the background of Paul. He was a chief Pharisee. He was a chief Jewish leader. And he encountered Christ and recognized him as the Messiah. And he gave everything. He gave up everything to follow Jesus. Paul suffered for Jesus. Kent Brantley suffered for Jesus. We will suffer 
when we follow Jesus? Does he mean enough to us for us to suffer for him? You know, when we meet someone in business, you know, I have a full-time job. When we meet somebody in business, in our personal life, at the grocery store, or wherever, the first thing we should think is, does this person know Jesus? And we should pray for opportunities and look for opportunities to share Christ. If we're not talking to people about Jesus and sharing who he is and what he's done, what is most important to us? If we go in and out of buildings and activities on a day-to-day basis and we're not looking for opportunities to share Jesus, what's our priority? For Paul, Silas, and Kent Brantley, sharing Jesus was number one. They risked their security, their safety, their comfort for Christ because he was Lord of their life. That's what we see in our scripture today. Paul didn't just share the gospel, leave and forget the people of Thessalonica. He didn't just give them an invite token to church and not pray for them. His soul was uneasy. His soul was burdened for them because he wanted to know how they were doing. He was scared for them. Paul was being afflicted. During this time, he was likely in jail, being persecuted. But Jesus was so important to Paul that he was scared for them. He was concerned for them. He was scared that they didn't fully commit to Christ. So he longed to find out. Is there someone in your life, maybe a friend, a family member, who you shared Jesus with? You think they might have come to faith or are on their way to faith, but you're just not sure. Is your soul, is your heart longing to know if they're walking with God or walking towards God? If it's not, why not? It's the most important thing. Follow Paul's example. Pray for them. Reach out to them. Visit them. Jesus is the most important thing And there's no time like today. Jesus should be the top priority on our to-do list every morning. Not just Sunday. We can't be the people of God. And we can't be the people that God wants us to be if he isn't number one on our to-do list. We can't be effective for Christ if he's number seven on our list. It doesn't happen. When we put Jesus first, we put the things of God first. Christ is the fulfillment, the full revelation of God. Coming to church doesn't make us Christians. Our personal relationship with Jesus makes us Christians. And the Bible tells us, it teaches us from Genesis through Revelation, God has to be number one in our lives. After Kent Brantley got out of Emory University Hospital, he had to recover. He was weak and he was tore up, but he was Ebola free. 
world medical mission wouldn't send him back to Liberia because he, was, he wasn't strong enough. But he longed for the people, like Paul longed for the people of Thessalonica. And as Kent got stronger and recovered, he knew he was going back. One year later, after his near-death experience, Kent and his family went back to Liberia to check in on their friends, the people they loved and interacted with. And they checked in to see how they were doing, how they were progressing. They didn't stay permanently at that time. But in April of this year, four years after the last time he visited, five years after he had Ebola, they decided to return to the mission field in Africa as medical missionaries. Kent Brantley and his family looked death in the face and said, Jesus is the most important thing. And they are following Jesus above everything else. Paul the Apostle did the same thing. What are you doing with your life? Is Jesus your number one priority? Are you willing to risk your safety and security for Jesus? In verses 11 through 13, Paul writes, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another for all as we do for you. Christ is the center. Fulfillment of Scripture. He guides us and directs us when we're willing and able. He makes us abound in love for others as Paul the Apostle abounded in love for the Thessalonians as Kent Brantley and his family abounded in love for the people of Africa. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Jesus establishes our hearts blameless when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. He is the ultimate sacrifice that we need to be cleansed and be right with God. The only things that matter are what we do for God. Let's be intentional about following Jesus and sharing him with people in our lives. Let's close in a word of prayer.